Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back, everybody, to Savage to Sage. This is Daniel, the co-host, and I'm excited today because we are just at the beginning stages of kicking off 2024, and an approach that we're taking this year is just to be a little bit more topical with the guests that we have around topics in the people experience and people operations space, um, as that is a focus of full stack. And so a lot of the people that you'll be hearing from, like Justin Clifford today, they have a, you know, have a specific story to tell. And it's, you know, in Justin's case around his business, that's very people experience oriented. And so we'll hit on topics, but while also hearing Justin's Savage to Sage uh, journey so far. So welcome, Justin. Thanks for being here today. Absolutely, Daniel. Thank you a ton for, uh, for, for considering me and, and, and for, for having me. Really excited. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of being on, on your show a couple months ago. And um, that was one of those ones that was like share with family members and friends and just got, you know, such good responses, such heartfelt responses. And, you know, also that like, I got a, a number of them of like, I like, thank you for having the courage to share that, you know, as well as like, just they were thanking me for for y- your existence and Bereave's existence for like the work that you're doing. You are the the CEO of Bereave. And why don't you give our listeners just a quick skinny on what is Bereave and what are you all setting out to do? Sure. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. And, and, and by the way, I want to be super clear, like your courage and strength to show up that day and, and to, uh, to give us insight into your story, uh, was, was an incredibly generous thing to do. And, and we're, uh, we will remain grateful for, uh, that, uh, and, and we'll continue to be grateful for the relationship with you. So thank you for that. Bereave is, uh, Bereave was born because two of our co-founders, um, lost parents prematurely. One of them lost both of his parents by the time he had graduated college. And through that shared experience of grieving together as friends and uh, helping each other through their respective journeys, I started to think about the experience from a kind of a different perspective and started to realize all of the gaps that were that were out there for people who suffer a loss. Uh, and, and you don't really know it. You don't really understand it, obviously, until it happens to you. But we have set out to change the way that we experience death. It's a heavy topic. It's a tough topic to talk about. One of the reasons why it's so hard to deal with is because we have such a hard time talking about it. So part of the mission is to obviously help people talk about death and uh, loss and grief uh, and, and, and maybe help destigmatize it a little bit, but also to be able to allow the workplace to show up for their employees in, in their time of loss in a way that is supportive and beyond some of the uh, a little bit more archaic nature of, I'll call it, bereavement policy uh, that exists today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The background of the, your two co-founders, like what, what were they doing prior to, to bereave? And then also, I know, I know your background is, you know, you're in sales for technology companies and raised up into like being a sales leader into those spaces. But like, what, what were your backgrounds prior to, to this? 
Yeah. One of them uh, lost his mother in his professional life and worked for uh, an Indianapolis-based startup scale-up, which was ultimately acquired and worked through that integration of, of those companies. Another, when he lost his parents, he, he was a student, right? He has worked as a marketer before starting Bereave. But the you know for them specifically, they talk a lot about turning mourning into mission skill sets and professional experience aside, when when you experience something of this magnitude that created the depth of feeling uh, and emotion that it did for them, you kind of figure out how to go grab certain skill sets and how to supplement some of the work you're doing to make sure that the the business not only has the mission, but can also fulfill the mission that it that's uh to. Yeah. What was it for you that prompted you to get involved? And then, I mean, you went from a sales role, it, you know, some startup scale up companies to now being a CEO here, like tell that story. It's, it's probably uh, a, a really long story that probably goes way back into the depths of like the way I was parented, I'm sure. Uh, but, but for the most part, I mean, my, my career was supposed to be in education. I was a second grade teacher. Uh, I was supposed to be a superintendent of a school district by the time I was 38. I have a very strong intrinsic drive for some reason. And spoiler alert, uh, I'm 43. I'm not the superintendent of a school district, as, as you've already covered. But uh, along, my, along my career, helping people, and I know it can be trite, uh, but, but helping connect the dots, helping provide goods and services that are important. Uh, as I moved out of teaching, that, that teaching mentality always has remained. To be able to educate and inform uh, is, has been something that has been really important to me in, in, in selling, in hitting a quota, in racing to a quota, and, and, and all of those things that come with it. Uh, making sure that you take care of people along the way has been important to me. So I, I went through a couple of, as you mentioned, startup scale-ups, uh, a, a couple of exits. And what ended up happening is I was a little bit at a kind of a career moment. Uh, and I was starting to probably put myself into a little bit of a box. Like I am now a sales leader at a SaaS organization with this perspective, this size. Uh, and these are the things that I want to go help build and accomplish. And it took a couple of conversations with a couple of coaches of mine and a therapist uh, that were basically like, hey, you might be putting yourself into a box. Uh, have you explored outside of that box before? Um, and so that light bulb went on. And then from there, it was a little bit of a, uh, as, as happens in Indianapolis so frequently, a uh, series of uh, very thoughtful and generous connections. I got Connected to uh, the the co one of the co founders at Bereave, uh, ultimately sat down with a friend of mine who's an advisor, and I listened to the story that he told about losing his dad. And in his case, it was unexpected, uh, but he walked me through what happened uh, and how it impacted him, how it impacted his family, and the way he told the story. The only thing that I could really think of was like that's just wrong. Like that experience, the way he experienced should not exist, right? We don't, we don't want to lose people, but we're going to, right? So what can we do outside of the experience that he had to make that experience better? When I got to having the conversation about the role and about the opportunity in terms of the, the impact, it just made a ton of sense. It's probably one of the few, the few jobs that I can think of that I can go into a restaurant or I can go for a walk, or I can go to the mall, I can, I can go anywhere and I can look around and I can see people that we have the opportunity to impact. Every single person 
we could touch if, if we do this well, right? Uh, and that is a huge, huge driver for me uh, in terms of the reach that, that we have the opportunity to create. Yeah, I love that. So what has it been like so far to, to be the CEO? And you know, that's, that's a new role for you. You're just, you're just at the beginning of that you know, over the last year. So what's, what is, as we like to call it, what have the the savage days been like for you in the last year? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're, they, they are savage in, in the way that, you know, the, the title says CEO and my name's on a few documents and I have some responsibilities that I'm probably, that, that are definitely new to me, but uh, I'm also an SDR and I'm also an AE and I'm also a CX rep. And uh, at times I'm trying to be pre-attorney, right? Trying to cobble things together to get to an attorney to give them a fast start so that we don't uh, you know, spend a ton of money on uh, legal counsel right now. I'm probably a little bit into finance, right? So so all of these things from from top to bottom, even though the title is at the top, I mean, it's it's everything. As, as, as you've probably experienced, you know, the, the, the hardest thing that I think that I wasn't really expecting is the, the context switching that occurs during the day, having to go from a high level finance meeting and generation of a pro forma, uh, into a customer call or a prospect call, uh, into a marketing meeting to talk about website development, uh, into an SEO meeting, and then, you know, end the day with, uh, a, a product, uh, you know, a product expert coming in to, to, to give us advice, right? Like that's a day. And I probably need to do a little bit better in trying to limit the context shifting, but with three people and all of the things that need to get done, it's kind of the, the life that we're living right now. Ton of fun, learning a ton, wouldn't, wouldn't trade it. Yeah. I mean, it's just an interesting dynamic that is unique where you have two co-founders, but then you came in as a non-co-founder and you're, you're the CEO, you know, which in business language you call the shots, like what's, what's been important with that dynamic for you, you know, to build that cohesiveness as a team that's, that's needed, especially for your stage. Sure. Um, you know the, the interesting thing is is that I've got uh, probably about an extra ten to twelve years of of work experience uh, from two of the co-founders that I work with day to day. I have that perspective, right? But they also have their very unique perspectives, at having you know been in the business a year, year and a half, uh, been thinking about it for a year prior to that. That I just consider so valuable. And so I think it's, I think it, you know, comes down to probably any leadership role is considering who's at the table with you. Uh, where do they come from? What are their experiences? And how do you kind of pull on those experiences to be able to move the business forward? It's, it's a pretty low ego situation around here. Uh, I anticipate it to always be that way. It, it will be that way intentionally. We'll probably, uh, as we start building out core values, probably have something around ego, but it, it, it has been a, a huge lift for me uh, from really understanding the world of death, the world of loss, the world of grief. It's not like I noticed a gap in the market and went to start my own thing and had to learn a bunch. They, already, they had already learned so much that they were able to share. Uh, and they do that on a very regular basis through either their own experiences uh, in life or the experiences of running the business, uh, because they have, you know, that extra 18 months or so, uh, ahead of me. Yeah. That, that's good to hear. Cause that, I mean, those relationships and that cohesiveness unity that, that you have, especially at this stage, is just, 
so essential, you know, to, to not only build a successful product and service, but also, you know, to do it in, in an enjoyable way. Cause really it's like you're, you're in the trenches together still at this point fighting for survival and product market fit, et cetera. And so it's, it's so good. I know like personally you have, you have a tribe of young children and the, the energy output for those of us that are, are young dads who are, you know, growing startup companies is, is very high. So what's that been like for you to, you know, be both dad of young kids, husband, as well as, you know, startup CEO. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's interesting because I, I think about that a lot, but I think because of the fact that I've been through three other roles in the past 15 years that have been pretty fast paced or very fast paced, uh, high expectation, and then took a break. I got, I got the chance. I I had the luxury of taking a little bit of a break, uh, a little bit of a breather. That reset was I think pretty magnificent for me. I, I don't think I'll actually truly be able to understand how impactful it has been uh, until later on. But I do think that has a that that is a luxury that I'm very grateful for. There's a lot to be said about being able to unplug. My my mind is always going, and I am guilty of being at you know, on the sidelines with my six-year-old son of a basketball game that he's playing in, and I'll see something that triggers like something, you know, is it, oh, is it, a, is, do I need to update the pro forma or do I need to make a sales call or do I need to go do this? Like that, that that's always going to go on and I have to be at peace with that. That's just the way my mind works. At the same time, I need to be at peace with understanding that I need to put my phone away and my computer away and I have an opportunity as an early stage company leader uh, to set the tone for what the future looks like when it comes to culture and expectations and understanding how work and life merge together because they are so not separate, especially at our stage. And I just have to be at peace with both sides of that in order to be present in the right moment at the uh, with the right people at the right time. Yeah, we talk a lot about work-life integration versus work-life balance. Um, I think there obviously there's always a balance and juggling, but you know, with the stage that you're in, the stage that I'm in, with with young kids it's like stuff comes up in the night or on the weekend yeah. for the business <laughs> that just like has yeah. to be done mm-hmm. but then stuff comes up during the day with with the kid you know that has to get taken care of and so it's that that constant juggle so seems like you're approaching that well i i, I did see on your linkedin the uh health and well-being career break and um I, I too was able to take a sabbatical. That's, that's what I called it. Um, I'm trying to remember what year that was. It was like 2016. It was just a three month like reset, which I, you know, consider like a luxury similar to you, but that, that helped me tremendously. Like talk more about, about that. Like what, what do you do or not do during that time? And like, you know, what have you noticed so far of like how that has served you to, how to reset and you know prepare you for what what you're doing with Breathe. Yeah, well, I said I wasn't going to take any. Uh, uh, wasn't going to talk about my next role for a few months, and uh, it turns out 
like two days in, I started talking about my next move. But I was able to do that. I was able to do that at my pace. I was able to, you know, be really selective of the timing and things like that that were that were very helpful. But, you know, I got back to the gym. I got to spend time with my wife. My wife called, started calling me a house husband because she was just pointing me in the direction of things that needed to get done, uh, which she really appreciated. And I I was enjoying doing. I will tell you that one of the biggest surprises to me that occurred was that it was how how heavily I am weighted into my work life for a community. Once my title and my responsibility went away, I started looking around going like where like who do I talk to? Uh, where do where do I hang out, right? And so I ended up in a couple of kind of a little bit more online communities that that were um uh ones like women in sales. I was helping do some just random stuff with people who were maybe interviewing for a role and needed somebody to do a virtual role play with, or they wanted to talk through compensation structure. So like, I just couldn't let go of that stuff, right? I just enjoyed it. And and there was, you know, stuff on LinkedIn, of course, but I, I really like craved that community. And that was a big, big part of what I started to notice. And what I started to look for, it's not like the size of the company, but it's, it's, it's what does, what is the community like? What is the potential for the community? Because I didn't know it, but I think the community gives me a community gives me a lot of energy and a lot of motivation. And I love watching people grow in their respective roles and their respective worlds. So that ended up playing a pretty significant role in Bereave uh, and, and understanding the community that we have the potential to build. Say more about community and why that's important for startup leaders and founders specifically. What, what's been beneficial for you? I'll go back to, I was at a company in Chicago for probably seven years. Uh, I reported to the CEO. He's become a friend and a mentor to me. And there was a CEO coach at the time that I met that said something about, hey, it's lonely at the top. And he was referring to our CEO. And I didn't really understand what that meant. But as I started watching him and thinking through all the decisions that he needed to make for a 75, 80 person company, I started to understand a little bit of what he might might be going through. So as as I started feeling this need for community, it it started kind of clicking to me of, you know, I, I need to be around people who I can contribute to them in their world and their lives. And I need people around me because I have very few answers for anything. And I have really come to get better at asking for help, which was something that I've always struggled with. I still struggle with it. But knowing that there is a specific community, uh, there's a community in Indianapolis, there's a tech community, there's a community of CEOs, there's the uh, X Lessonly community that I belong to. There's all these little sub communities that are just so powerful that I turn to on a daily basis. And I, I think without having that, I'm lost. And so in return, I hope to be able to give as much as I can when people are are in need. So it just kind of creates this little, you know, cyclical environment of of helping each other out, and and that's always going to be incredibly valuable to me. I think. Yeah, that's powerful, and it seems like one of the biggest lies that people in startups, especially in your seat, my seat, take on is like, yeah, I I am alone, and it's it. Yes, it is lonely especially when you're you have to make really difficult decisions that impact the business impact your team that that are conflictual uh th- that's that's really challenging but i i do believe like 
the people that's like you're ta- describing, like that you do that surround themselves uh, with community in, in that way have the best chance at, you know, succeeding both in, in business and life is, I mean, unfortunately we've, we see a lot of stories of people that succeed in business, but you know, their, their life is a mess. And that's part of the reason behind this show is like, how can we, how can we be successful in both? And we believe it's by having certain practices, you know, as, as entrepreneurs that help sustain us in our life and our health. And, and so, man, community is such a, is a powerful, I'd say like a good barometer of health for, for an entrepreneur is, you know, how, how strong are your relationships that are helping support you through, through this time? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, just magnificently lucky that I probably don't quite understand how deep my community actually is. Um, but I feel so supported and, and, and I feel like there is a life safety net, uh, that, that I, that I can probably fall into and it, 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 that I can't take for granted, but I know that there are people that I can call on a whim. If, if I'm in a pinch, whatever that pinch might be, I've, I'm incredibly lucky to, to have that that support system there behind me. Yeah. And that, I think that's a good pivot into the topic that of, you know, how we handle each other and how we hold, hold and care for each other through, through death. You know, I'm, I'll just speak specifically to what you're talking about as it relates to, you know, this past June, when I went through my dad's death to see the people that came out of the woodwork, you know, that, were in you know the community that I was aware of, but then, like you said, the depth of community that I had kind of really revealed itself in in that time, and it, it was almost to a point that, like, I was it, embarrassed might not be the right word, but like I was getting so many, not just like, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, but I was getting so many like genuine, authentic, like beautiful, in depth expressions of of care that like I couldn't respond to half of them. And it was like, at some point, like a couple of weeks after I went through, I'd be like, I should probably like, <laughs> like res- respond to this person that like clearly gave of themselves and their time to like reach out and show support and give, you know, send my family a DoorDash gift card or like one day, one day a lasagna showed up at our house and it was like, it said it was for Steve. Uh, so we thought it was for somebody else. So my wife called and it ended up being one of one of full stacks clients whose name is Steve and the the vendor, you know, put it for Steve instead Botched of us. It. But like, <laughs> yeah, like that stuff just like kept happening. And, and you know, you realize like people, pe- people really get it. People really show up. And yet, like we also see where employers and and others like really drop the ball you know during during those times as well and so like why why do you believe like you know how an employer let's let's talk specifically like about an employer or you know manage manager of an employee going through something like that why is that so important um for for that company and for that relationship between them and their their teammate 
Yeah, I, it's a great question. I think you can break it down into probably several categories here. But uh, you know, from from a business perspective, there is a massive business case for grief and productivity in the workplace. There's a massive business case for things like retention and attraction and employer brand. And you talk about per- productivity from people coming back, re-entering in after a leave. There are so many things if you haven't been through it yourself. And if you're not sitting in the seat that I am having the, these conversations, hundreds of these conversations that just are almost invisible, right? Then you talk about the next layer at the manager. Why is it important at the managerial level? I mean, it, it kind of depends on what you want to do in life, I suppose. But uh, our, our research and our, our, our surveys and our conversations continuously tell us that managers perform overwhelmingly uh, better than the company actually performs in a in an instance of bereavement. And that is often because the company is protecting itself in a lot of ways. And they have antiquated policies because nobody wants to talk about bereavement. So they just don't talk about it, right? They stick a policy in that says three to five days. Uh, they say who, who you get to grieve for and who you don't. And then they move on. Um, where managers really shine and this is unfortunate because it can get them into trouble, but they put their neck on the line and basically say, don't worry about the policy, just go. And that's just go. And that's, we gotcha. And that's continual support. And I hear story after story of people who uh, are disappointed in the way the company handles things, but really, really loyal to their manager because of situations like this, where they say things like, I will follow that person anywhere. Or I am so indebted to that person for the way they treated me and my family in, in a very dark moment. Uh, they showed up in ways that I was completely unexpecting. And because of that, I will always be there for them, right? So you, you start to create this loyalty thing, but it all like, like, you know, you take the business thing out of it. There's just a human component here, right? There's just a human component and there's a, a, a understanding how important compassion is in our society, understanding how important empathy is in our society uh, and, and the long tail effect of that both professionally and personally. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, and, and so the reason I, I, you know, I mentioned the kind of antiquated policy and I, I don't know that companies are trying to avoid bereavement in most situations, like good bereavement support. Uh, I honestly, I just don't think they know how, and when you don't have answers across a a section of smart people, (laughs) it can become pretty scary and it's tough to talk about. So let's just tuck this thing in and cross our fingers and hope we don't have to deal with it. I've heard you say before, you know, it's it's crazy that we give, I mean, I think it's human that we get and we should probably give longer like parental leaves to to parents of of new babies, you know, um, but then just how little we give people experiencing bereavement when, you know, that like it could be even more in some cases it can be even more disruptive to someone's life and difficult than, you know, bringing in a new child into the world. And, and that's not to say, yeah, we should make it as long as like three to four months because you look at some organizations and you, you know, you realize if, if we lose our head of sales, um, you know, we, we might, (laughs) we might lose sales and it might, really tank our business you know like there's examples like that of people performing these essential roles to make it really difficult for someone like that to leave but so what is it that you 
are trying to get businesses to think about in terms of like from a a policy level because on one hand it's you know you're talking about just managers being trained and for more greater empathy and authenticity creating psychological safety but then there's also like on a on a policy level you're hitting on too so what what are you what are you thinking about there yeah so it's interesting because the way people if you if you go ask just anybody ask a stranger like hey t- tell me tell me what bereavement is at a workplace they'll talk about two things they'll talk about policy which is the who what when where why how uh, and they'll talk about time off which is usually somewhere between 3 to 5 days for some mandated uh, bloodline affiliation right um, those are the two things in reality there is so much more that needs to get done to truly support somebody. We are not going to be policy experts for anybody's business. We can tell them, here's what good looks like. Here's why these companies give 30 days. Here's why this company gives eight days. Uh, here's why this company handles relationships the way they do. Like We're going to have all of that information and we can tell people, uh, walk people through the options that might be good for them, but we're not going to be policy experts. But we can be experts in how they react right how how they how they prepare their managers how they receive people back to the workplace after a leave how they communicate when they communicate who they communicate with who's owning the messaging um wh- what ends up happening is that because those two things are attached to bereavement there's just not an understanding of all of the other things that that can happen so we're not going to tell a company hey your 3 days isn't enough because they might not change that but if you have the three days and you're not going to change it, let us show you some other things that you can do to create a what we think is going to be a world-class bereavement support experience so that you can start thinking about uh, the attraction and retention and all of, all of those things that come along with it. Um, and here's also how, from a human element, what humans need to re-enter the workplace. And the only reason these themes have emerged is because of all the conversations that we've had. Uh, and it's been really, really illuminating. And the companies that we talk to that think they are doing it well, they think they're doing it well because they send flowers. They think they're doing it well because uh, they might have a manager show up at services. They think they're doing it well because they don't dictate bloodline right? But they're still missing the themes that people crave and that people have asked for throughout our conversation after conversation after conversation. So it's an education thing. You know, it's a long way to say it's an education thing. uh, And we have access to information that that they don't right now. Yeah, it's so good. I'm just so grateful that you and and the team are, are thinking about these things because, you know, based on my own personal experience going through that, you know, wanting, having led other team members through that um, on my side or, you know, peers, colleagues, it's, it's part of something bigger that, you know, our, our mutual friend, Liesl Murtis does a lot of work in too about just these disruptive life events that happen to us as humans and how they impact the human beings that, you know, come to the workplace. Like we, we have, we have to do better. And uh, just that, that you and the team are, are doing that is is super important. So the reason why I asked this last question to close us out is is because um you know when you're in like I consider even though you're you know you're a business that's going after a profit you're not a nonprofit like you you are you and the team are in a helping profession and you have you have mission behind you know 
what you're doing because you're you're experiencing that like the heaviness as well of people's stories there you hear beautiful stories but then you also hear the heaviness and difficulty like everyone like like me included want you know when i hear what you do it's like i want to share with you my story and it's it makes your your practice of self-care or you know some people would call it soul care you know even more important um for you to be able to continue doing that work and so what for you as an entrepreneur and especially doing the work that you're doing like what what are those practices of self-care that that you're doing personally to that helps sustain you through through this work yeah um you want me to walk you through the first uh, 90 minutes of my uh, my meditation day? No, I'm kidding. I don't have that. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy. Uh, my self-care, just because of that, uh, is limited in general. However, when I'm with them or whatever I'm doing, I do get a chance to think, right, and reflect. Um, because I hear the heavy stories, because I hear the beautiful stories that are still wrapped up in sadness, right? It has given me a, a perspective that I didn't have before, right? It gives me a gratitude and understanding of something my therapist used to say, like, you only have so many calories, where are you going to spend them? You have a finite amount of calories that during the day, where are you going to spend them? And it, it has helped me. And listen, I still get frustrated with dumb stuff, right? Like I, I still do. I'm human. But it has given me a perspective to n- either nip that frustration, or maybe I'm not getting as frustrated as I used to. Right. Because I have this perspective of like, I've got, I've got, I've got things in my life that I am grateful for. Uh, and it starts to shift my perspective to understand like things can go wrong at any given moment. Right. You know, I would call it a gratitude practice, if you will, even though there's no schedule on it. Uh, it is random, but just sort of shifting my perspective because I am in a, an incredibly fortunate situation and in position to hear these stories that are so impactful, it helps me really understand what my life is and what my life could be, depending on how I choose to pursue it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Gratitude is such a core practice. So it's it's beautiful. So people want to learn more about you and bereave and be a part of what you're doing. Um, where would you point them? Yeah. Uh bereave.io is our website. Um you can always uh, email me, justin at bereave.io. Find my cell phone number. I'll give it to you. No problem. Uh, but 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 pretty easy to find. Uh, I, I would suggest that if you're interested in, in uh, Bereave or talking to me or whatever, like call Daniel first, catch up with him. Have that conversation first because you probably need to catch up with Daniel anyway. Uh, and then Daniel can, can point you in my direction. So we'll knock two birds with one stone there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, it's just so glad to have you on the show and to hear a, a little snippet of your your journey. And I'm just so excited for where Reeve is going, where you're going, and looking forward to being a part of that uh, growth and just being a, a fan of everything that you're doing. So thank you. No, thank thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement, your motivation, all the things that you say, and all the things that you do uh, are our motivation for for us to to keep going. And uh, that's something, as you know, at this stage, we need a lot of motivation. And uh, thank you for the the motivation that you give us and the involvement. Uh, we're we're going to be grateful for that for a long time. Like I said. 
Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.